back once again folks live in greenwood bonjour shalom what's up and welcome to how you living the one and only show recorded from the million dollar studios live in the Chaz tower and we are here in the greenwood studios to bring you how you live in that's right i believe it's episode 48 uh yeah we're at 48 i would say that's a good uh solid guess and probably the accurate one at this point yeah that's uh four in a row i believe if you're keeping track at home uh and uh now of course in 48 we uh always start with a segment we like to call callbacks that's right, analog opener, because I had too many windows going to load the sound card, so I'm just ho- chilling out right now with the uh, the analog. But for my first callback, oh. it's uh, last week we had a guest talking about the uh, European view on uh, kind of being an American living over there and seeing how they talk about us. And I feel like, you know, that's... An intriguing thing we need to kind of analyze more is bringing over some of these other kind of not necessarily American-born ideas to solving some of these bigger problems. Yeah. And and I think if we kind of take from that uh, discussion of kind of comparing the European countries to our U.S. states... Yeah, in a sense. We can... Because I, I think that's what we were doing last week. And uh, we can... Uh, you know, we can use that to kind of show how if a specific state could model some type of either education program or healthcare program or penal system program or judicial system or way of kind of dealing with uh, these social programs that, you know, Copenhagen or Berlin or, you know, London might be using, that the state level and or the county kind of level might be a place where we can start to kind of add those uh fixtures in place i don't you know like because i think like this weird dream of like a switching to a parliament system would never happen oh yeah no no we're never going to abandon soon yeah and so in order to incorporate the elements of parliamentary system we'd have to like uh you know start start smaller and maybe add those kind of elements in at the lower levels and kind of looking at how he was talking about how europe works a lot of it as a whole but it's it's individually these, you know, s- states that are countries, you know. Yeah. And and they and they have some un- autonomy. And, you know, it, it's interesting. And then it was also interesting on the callback as far as the current situation with migrants. Yeah. Because, you know, Frontline did a special this week uh, and a continuation from uh, a special they did a year ago mm. or maybe even two years ago uh, following a group of um, – refugees from syria on their kind of travels through europe oh okay and and how those travels were going to go and this kind of follows kind of the the next generation of that like people who are making that trip today 
and also um, kind of picked up one of the storylines of one of the people from the previous. And he was talking about how Europe, that's one of the big discussions over there, is the toll uh, that migration is, is taking on those states as far as certain countries feeling like they're taking a, a greater burden. And uh, according to this documentary, about a million uh, migrants have moved into Germany specifically. Oh, interesting. And so it's by far and away the leader. And so, you know, it's not without controversy. Mm-hmm. You know, at first the the German people, there was kind of this feeling and sense of like everyone was kind of on board, but there's definitely been enclaves of people now kind of rallying against it. And, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's an ongoing problem. We have to admit that the failure of Syria has created a crisis and we can't just kind of turn our heads to it and just build these larger fences on borders because that's essentially what they're doing. Yeah. Like the Croatian border, the Hungarian border, they're now just these like, you know, thousand mile long fence lines. So Yeah, not to mention that that same thing happened <clears throat> in reverse in uh, the early 1940s through World War Two because of the destruction that Germany was doing by taking over basically yeah, the european yeah. the european continent so they went over to the middle east to be those same type of war-torn uh refugees and they brought them in with open arms i mean they they had problems then too so yeah it's interesting to see this in reverse and see it as a coming from a, both that and people having a animosity and being reserved about globalism and how it's treating um everything like the autonomy of those countries and it is like yeah i was watching something today that talks about um blockchain not not bitcoin specifically but just like the technology of blockchain right and a lot of places like china and russia they don't want that because if you take the their ability for their money to be higher than someone else's money and we're just the global economy becomes truly global because we're all using just one currency they lose a certain level of control and autonomy in that and right. that can start problems because that's what that's how they they hold on to control in a certain way yeah yeah no and it's it's it, it's weird also just based on, you know, financially as the world becomes more global and yet we're still building these foreign walls, you know, it's that are like, you know, ancient technologies to get to get over ancient problems, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, essentially all borders are porous in the sense that yeah. some, someone can fly over, you yeah, know. Borders For, don't really exist yeah, in any yeah. grand scheme. Right. It's symbolic. Yeah. To, to the most extent. Um, yeah. And then... And then with that and the humanitarian crisis that's occurring with it and everyone in this modern era, everyone being like the give to this charity and like, you know, like I donate outside of the Whole Foods, like everyone cares. But then when you have an issue so big and so great, like, you know, I don't even know what the number is, what, 25 million maybe people were affected by that crisis in the sense of the immediate areas of Iraq and Syria, you know, Mm -hmm. like... Uh, who knows, you know, the actual number specific, you know, it's got to be something like that. That's two full countries. So, right. Uh, where are they going to go, you know, and to pretend like they're not going to go anywhere is, is, is ignoring the real issue. Mm-hmm. And then when we don't give them clear passage or, or methods to get the, their travels are so arduous. I mean, they're jumping, you know, way too many people in a raft to get across some type of waterway. Mm-hmm. They're being smuggled in trucks, you know, without air and like 
yeah, it's 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 ridiculous. Um, and it's 2018. Mm-hmm. You know, I can track a package around the world, but I, I, a, a human can't safely get from one country to another, you know, like, but I can track a pack, like, you can't track a human. <laughs> like, I mean, you, the, 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 there's, a, there's a reason because of that, because the tech, the technology isn't used for that particular purpose. But I'm saying, yeah. ultimately it could, you exactly. know, ultimately a humanitarian could go and be like, all right, for every $500, we're going to tag 500 refugees. And what we mean by that is we're going to make sure based on geolocating them, from one spot to another and we'll show how we did it you know and oh we got them on this actual chartered boat and then we got visas here well they did have to stay there for a while so we put them up in this hotel because what's happening is these people i mean are just living on the streets in every other country they have to live Mm -hmm. you know and so if you just think of the plight of our homeless imagine being homeless in nine countries over the course of four months Mm -hmm. you know like it or or longer probably actually longer 16 months you know 18 months couple years to some degree for some of these people um and and then what to expect out of that as far as um what kinds of people are going to come out of that scenario versus people that are desperate and you help them Mm -hmm. if you put desperate people in more desperate scenarios you're only going to get more desperate reactions oh yeah for sure you know so it also seems it all just seems to be feeding the problem as opposed to feeding the solution Mm -hmm. and all these scare tactics people are worried i mean globalization's occurred you know like you're not going to keep your country quote-unquote pure of (laughs) of anything anymore you know Mm -hmm. everyone is everywhere and you kind of have to get over it and and I think this whole border security problem is this kind of last ditch effort of of that old thinking. Yeah. That it matters. You know, this plot of land matters. Ultimately, everyone just needs some some space to be. Yeah, exactly. You know. So, well, uh, do you have any callbacks to add to the callback callbacks? Um, I guess we can use my callback to kind of go into the episode itself because uh, I know we talked a little bit about a year in Trump at the end of last year, but I feel like we really should be talking about a year in Trump. After he's been in office for a year, which is we're about a week out from that. And I think that's a good place to start as a segue into episode 48, which we have arrived, folks. Uh, is the tonight is also the State of the Union night. The State of the Union. It's the annual Super Bowl for weirdos. <laughs> uh, if someone if someone is like, I consider the State of the Union my Super Bowl. That guy's weird. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe he knows more about politics than me, and uh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. he's got a like, Wall Street Journal column or something. But I don't know. That's that's weird. But it is uh, the Super Bowl of politics, the annual event post an election. Of the description of our ongoing year. Uh, I like to call it Clapfest 2018. Because <laughs> it's like 30% content, 70% clapping. And in that 70%, there's like a 4% awkward standing before clapping. Mm. You know, because that's the ultimate decision is everyone will kind of clap on command. But uh, what also happens is... Uh, people decide whether or not they want to stand in order to show, show their support. And so there's the definite kind of moment where uh, a group of people stands because they're all on his side. And then it kind of filters over into the like libertarian Democrat side, whether they want to like start standing, 
you know and so like five or six of them for each issue will stand but different ones for different issues it's just a whole thing clap fest 2018 sponsored in part by oil oil we've been ruining the southwest since forever (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's why houston is houston it's true yeah uh, so that all being said, uh, we can, we can talk more about the state of the union. Uh, but before what, what about the year of Trump, uh, are you enlightened by currently that you were, you wanted to touch on for this episode you were saying? No, I just wanted to basically go over how I think he's kind of following a pattern. And, uh, also I just watched this, uh, Netflix documentary called uh, Dirty Money and the last episode of I'm guessing this season if you will not to be confused with Dirty Sexy Money exactly (laughs) with with Peter Carews who's on (laughs) 911 now anything random segue yeah um how it was talking about how Donald Trump is a brilliant con man. But what I found interesting is there's a segment in there where the Trump company started doing things with uh, multi-level marketing. And I remember when I was about like 18, 19, just graduating high school, there was an MLM that was really heavily used um, using uh, Robert Kiyosaki's uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which uh, throwback to Justin, who said was conservative propaganda. Yeah. <laughs> right? So... Yeah. And I remember Robert Kiyosaki, um, who made his money doing real estate, was like, oh, my God, Donald Trump. I'm going to be doing the forward on Donald Trump's book. So I remember a group of people doing MLMs were really big on like those big characters kind of saying like, hey, yo, the nine to five grind is bullshit. Make money this way. Yeah. And so Trump was basically doing the same thing with both Trump University and this MLM program. And then they do this juxtaposition where they show Trump at the MLM things uh, talking. And if you've ever done uh, like an MLM thing, they basically just rent out a huge arena and there's a lot of pomp and circumstance. It kind of, if you watch any sort of movie that basically pretends like they're a multinational uh, company and they do their company meeting of the year, it's kind of just like that. Right. Um, I think there's that one show on Showtime with Don Cheadle and um, uh, House of Lies. House of Lies, yeah. And then uh, if you want to see a really extravagant over-the-top version of it, watch the Scientology movie because they have one of those trade shows at the end of the year every year, too. Ah, yeah. Scientology still kicking ass. Woo! Let's all clap, everybody. We picked the right religion. All right, guys. Like, right, yeah. When you, yeah. Is there a lot of clap? I, I was like, I was like about to make fun of that. I was like, there's not a lot of clap. I guess there's clapping in rhythm mm-hmm. to like songs, but like there's not a lot of clapping in church. You know, it's mm-hmm. not people just being like, all right, like I mean, yeah, yeah. There's there, there's no like congratulatory clapping in church. There's more of uh, affirmation and clapping in church. Yeah. So, yeah. but but then I remember seeing uh, that the same thing he was doing with uh, those folks. He did at his campaign rallies, and I'm all like, oh, so he really has been doing this shit for years. It was the same sort of people, like, yo, I'm trying to work, but I'm getting minimum wage. I can barely keep up, so I'm trying to get, I'm trying to rise and grind and everything. And he basically sold them the same bullshit, like, yeah, no, you do this, this, and this. I'm going to help you out. I believe in you. You know, we're in this together. He did the same exact, he followed the same exact script. He just subbed, you know, this MLM multi-level marketing business for you guys lost out on the American dream. This is why. And he's bullshitting them the entire time. Yeah. And the same way he bullshits people now where he only talks in vague 
vague statements and never anything definitive is the same way he's been since since like he's been back on the apprentice who's just and and i saw some of that today in the in the state of the union because they've been talking about his speech patterns as well like mm-hmm. how he uses you know not very many syllable words and and repeats a bunch of them and puts them in the wrong places all the time mm-hmm. and today uh you could tell with the state of the union speech being his first um and kind of the state of the union being one of those addresses similar to the inauguration that even non-political people come across. Mm-hmm. And so he definitely made it a point to put longer words in this one. And at one point he ends the sentence on reciprocal and he says it like reciprocal. <laughs> and I was like, there's no point where you would emphasize that word that way. And and it got an applause break, and I was just like, yeah. Oh, shit. Okay, y'all just pandering the man now. Yeah, yeah. You're like, look at it. You got big words. Come on. He just said one. Say it again, buddy. Show him. Yeah. So uh, what are you going to do? That's uh, our president. Um, but yeah, uh-huh. the... The, the 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 speech today to kind of go into to to what I did see because um, I watched about an hour and fifteen minutes of it um, and and so basically he used I mean we we started to call them tropes now I don't want to like continue to call it that only in the sense that there are people that are involved and so I feel bad but he does continue to use the um, idea of having people in the audience that trigger emotion through some storyline that he's going to throw that only has to do with the person yet he somehow ties himself into it just Mm -hmm. by bringing it up and yielding that emotion then for him. And so, uh, we, we goes back to the Maria Mendoza thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, it goes back to the pointing out to the widow, uh, during the speech to Congress Yeah, where he's just like, she's here. So we did it again this time. Uh, there was a guy who saved another guy who had been uh, shot uh, by ISIS, according to him, uh, and uh, and he dragged her, dragged him out. Safety got a medal of valor. Awesome story. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, somehow he pulled that in, and then he did it again for uh, some type of um, survivor of North Korea who like had his legs amputated due to something and like had traveled around China on crutches. Mm. And now he's here in America. He lives in Seoul, South Korea, but he's here standing up for us to fight for like the North Korea situation. And, and then they show him and he holds up these old crutches and they just show this guy like holding up these old crutches. And I'm just like, what is going on is this a fucking hall of fame induction or something yeah (laughs) yeah and 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 then the the self-congratulatory clapping of of trump is like i mean he he claps in a way that is completely clearly just trying to be audible for the for Mm -hmm. the microphone and it's just awkward to listen to because you just hear this like offbeat clapping through the whole thing right uh yeah it's just holy holy choreographed and and ultimately he he's going to win with it because it did nail 100% if it like i watched it as somebody who who would like like a bad television show and then you show it to your friends and then you realize you need to be embarrassed about liking it cuz it's like no one else likes it mm-hmm. like that's 
where I had to think about this and be like, what if I was really into Trump and I've liked everything he's done to this moment? How would this speech fall in line with everything he's ever done? Oh, and it, it clicks. Of it, course it, it does. It clicks 100% with, you know, I'm going to get them. It's their fault. We're going to we're the best. Don't worry about it. Check out this guy. He's the best because I helped him get him to be the best. Now he's the best. Clap for him. This guy, yeah. look at this guy. He He's injured. He had to like walk his whole life on crutches. Somehow I, I that's my, I did that. I'm good. But even though that sucks, like he's like, he doesn't, it's like weird. And, and it works. Like his base probably right now is doing podcasts about how awesome it was. Oh yeah, no, for sure, because they're they were the ones that they felt like they were forgotten and beaten down on and everything like that. And uh, funny enough, um, our guest that we had on uh, last week, uh, one of the things I saw he mentioned was uh, the reason why Trump got elected was. Uh, we treat poodles better in San Francisco than we do kids in Kansas. And I was like, damn, okay. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's worrisome. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, we, we have a strange connection to politics and it's become more and more strained as time has gone on, Uh, as it's easier to be more and more disconnected. It's going to be a more select minority of people that actually are paying enough attention and have enough authority in the vote to get their votes through. Mm-hmm. We're going to see this kind of continue to happen. It's 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 similar to the thing we were talking about in the callback about Syria mm-hmm. in the sense that everyone talks about caring about shit, but no one's doing anything. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're not getting the talent and the candidate who can match Trump like he had shit on Hillary. So it was easy for him to smear her. So what are we going to do about that? Who are we going to show that can actually stand up to him both in that television way, Mm -hmm. but also have the like, you know, real backing behind them of, of a, of a clean, true life of somebody who deserves to be in the position. Um, I think Bernie still has that sort of stance because, he can still speak to the humanity of their situation. Like, he basically took all the marginalized groups, both socially and economically, and were like, I'm here to fight for you. And Trump basically took all the um, the, the economic ones and said, I'm here to fight for you. But he, in order to say, I'm going to fight for you, I'm going to talk about the socially marginalized and throw them under a bus. Well, yeah, and then on top of that, I mean, he's going to have the successes of this economic boom based on his tax return or tax cuts, uh, it's going to help that, you know, like that, that voting block is still going to vote for him based on the fact that they think he's been successful at it. Mm -hmm. And I can't really argue with them in the sense that what they're looking at has had a positive impact a the lot, framing is nice. A lot but of, the frame is dirty. A lot of theorists that say that it's leftover uh, agenda from Obama that created the uh, the the boom that he's kind of he's on the tail end of, and he's he's kind of just picking its steam up by by cutting some of the burden on the corporate era, you know. And so, of course, you're going to see gains on the Wall Street side when corporate burden taxes get cut. Oh, yeah, because more people are going to invest into the system. Yeah, and then as another kind of mid-show callback, uh, we were talking about the $1,000 
that corporations were giving, more companies keep getting added to that list. So it's this weird thing of like appeasement policy, you know. And if your company feels like they got a benefit because Trump was elected and then they decided to give you a thousand dollars how hard is it for some weird segment of the population to be like trump gave me a thousand dollars oh no that's we're a correlative uh, like species so yeah. it's easy for someone to to take that and say this this caused that when they mean it correlated with that right and and then like six months later they lay a bunch of people off Right. And, and that may get reported, but, you know, that's like that high of getting $1,000 directly after they pass a new tax plan. And based on how every single Republican who went on TV sold it as a tax cut for middle class Americans. Yeah. And even if they it's nominal, I got, OK, sure, I get 13 more dollars a month, I guess. So I you could frame it as a tax cut for all Americans based on that. And and the fact that then these companies are like, look at all these things I can do. Look at the benevolence of this administration uh, taking down all these oppressive, oppressive taxes, not allowing me to do research and development, not allowing me to grow the business in the way that I want to. They'll take that thing and then say, OK, now we have a little bit of extra money. How much can we give out and lower our tax burden by giving it out as gifts and rewards to our uh employees and then the employees are going to be like oh look at this trump said he was going to do i got an extra thousand dollars that i didn't think i was going to get yesterday i can you know pay for this trip i always want to go on i can pay down my car i can pay down my house i can put this away for my children oh my god my daughter needs braces and i needed a down payment this is going to be great for that so yeah from like a framework and a psychological point this is going to add some points on his uh on his resume of good things that he did in the eye of his constituents and yeah. maybe in the eye of some people who were skeptical about him. Right. Or people that only look, oh yeah, skeptical as well, or even people that are just on the fence and then they only look at the economy as their kind of measuring tool, you know. Um, but you're right. There were people, I mean, there are people who were probably like, no, the reason I don't like him is because all this stuff he's going to say he's never going to get done. And to some degree... He did say he'd cut taxes. He has cut taxes. He did say the economy would boom. The economy's booming. It goes back to that correlation, you know, idea that you were just talking about. But, mm -hmm. it, you know, it it is going to work. It's an, it, I mean, and we've seen it every election cycle. I mean, it's like uh, I can go as far back as, like, my childhood, uh, just, you know, aging me, that George Bush 1 was running, uh, the whole new, no new taxes, uh, and and then having to raise taxes a year later uh, really bit him three years later when he ran against Bill Clinton. Mm -hmm. uh, it had nothing to do with those taxes, but it had to do at that point with honesty. Mm -hmm. You know, the American people ultimately knew the taxes needed to be raised, but they didn't want somebody who was going to say what they didn't deliver. We've now kind of come so far in politics that they can say whatever they want and it doesn't even matter if it's near being delivered so uh it's a different spectrum but when you when you think of it in those terms every election cycle there's the uh short term memory yeah oh no there is uh, right. of what's just going on in the in the recent what's what 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 can we apply emotionally from what's happened to our idea of where we want to vote and then um clearly uh, the the peeking around the room 
situation where what is everyone else gonna do yeah and i almost think ultimately that latter part is is really what drives election in this country i think i think social shaming uh creates a lack of real choice Mm -hmm. um you know i and i think it happens in households i think it happens in neighborhoods i think it happens in cities counties and states you know where different mindsets of people gather together and and you know I think if you didn't have that, where we live would still be relatively uh, blue, progressive, you know. But mm-hmm. I do think there are things where people feel ostracized if they, say, had passions about gun rights. Oh, yeah, no, and, and because the, people, shame and guilt are how you get people to be compliant in your, like, folkways, mores, and taboos. Yeah, yeah. And so, well, I'm just saying with that, like, the the campaign promise mm-hmm. uh it, it's always kind of each era is seen in a different light but ultimately whatever candidate feels right is the one that gets elected mm-hmm. and if if it goes up against bernie yeah does he have that same momentum we had in 2016 i mean are there more people who are employed now who don't have so much anger are there people who are now we were fighting for 15 dollars minimum wage are we are they making that 15 you know there's this is the wave at the same point we feel you know emboldened but are we are we a part of a minority who's still clinging to the idea of of revolution and change or is that the masses still and with that idea if you go on the emotional ticket and it's, do we want to go for this thing that we thought we knew a few years ago or the thing we already know? And when Trump is the thing we already know, and this is, this is the problem with modern America incumbency is it is nearly impossible to unseat an incumbent in any race in American politics. Yeah. Um, I feel like in this case, the numbers aren't in his favor though. Um, and I still think the one key thing that we keep missing with last year's, with 2016's election, is 50% of eligible voters did not vote. And, right. it, and that's one of the key things there, where basically 50% of America voted and 25% of America voted in the president. And But we catch all say America voted in when the numbers said no, only about half of America voted in this president. And I think that's one of the key factors there, too. But I also think another key factor is, uh, like, there's a lot of things in the American economy that are being propped up by a lot of just money going into companies, trying shit out, but not actually bringing in revenue. So eventually, uh, those companies will crumble, and the uh, secondary and tertiary companies that were built on top of them will also crumble. And I think once that happens, and the question is, will that happen before or after 2020, you'll get something akin to 1994, 2001, and 2008. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be an interesting 2018, and I think it'll definitely set the plate, set the table, set the stage for uh, what 2020 can be. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm... You know, I I was a Hillary candidate before, a guy I was pro her. Uh, I I could get behind Bernie. I personally hope there's somebody else that we're not thinking of right now, only because a little bit of Bernie's age, and a little bit of, um, the pulse of America 
because there's something about coming out of the Northeast like that, that it, it gets hard dealing with Texas, gets hard sometimes dealing with West states out here um, as far as like where we really stand, where we really like line up. Yeah. Uh, I do think Bernie is a traveled guy. I think he's got the message. His age is definitely going to come into play. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. So I, I don't know. You know, I doubted him before, and I feel bad for it. So I don't want to get – but I also don't want to be foolish and just uh, – I don't want to do the Republican thing either, which is, like, always bet on the closest last loser. So they don't go with who got the most votes because that person lost, but they go who was the closest – not loser. So that's how Mitt, Mitt Romney came in second to uh, John McCain. Mm-hmm. And so he was kind of the nominal choice for to run the next time. And so, like, if we start doing that, uh, or we, I mean, if the Democrats start doing that, mm-hmm. then I, we're, we're following a bad playbook. You know, I think I think you should always just kind of look look at the field. Yeah, well, I think the right politician, the right candidate, used to needs to look at the pulse of America, if you will, and see where all the problems lie. And there's definitely problems that deal with the economic instability and basically economic disparity of America that's causing a lot of people to be poor, and that's one thing. But there, but if you're um, a Republican candidate, you look at that and go pull yourself up by your bootstraps. What are you doing? This is the land of opportunity. You just don't fucking see it. And and I think that's where somebody needs to borrow from Bernie's message and talk to all people who are economically distressed. But also at the same time, if you're going to be um, with the millennials who are liberal and everything like that, even though there's a study that says that millennials aren't are just as racist as, you know, baby boomers or something. But, you know, like I would still say it was basically it was an error rate thing where it was bullshit, honestly, in the way they framed it. But basically, I feel like you need a politician that's going to look at also the social injustices that are going on and create and be in there and make sure, well, I guess before I end that, make sure that the people are in there in 2018 that will be the lawmakers and the legislators that will build the laws that the right Democratic candidate will go in and do a comprehensive restructuring of America in a way that would actually make it the land of the free, the home of the brave, and the land of opportunity for people of all economic standings, because any economist will tell you, you look at it statistically, if America, like if you look at, you know, the five tiers of economics, I think we've talked about it before, and you talk about the person in the lowest 20% going to the highest 20%, and if it's in America, in its average, it's only about 5 to 7% of people do that, and then you go to the great white north above there, and they're like, oh, 14% of people can do that. They're like, what? Where you go over to Denmark and, you know, it's it's in the teens as well, too. And remember, it's only from zero to 20 percent. So that means uh, there is a like a seven, six percent there who aren't doing their due diligence to get them out of that situation. And so it tells you that, you know, the systems that they have in place and the education that they have in place is more equipped to allow people to have the education they need to get from point A to point B more so than America does. And if we keep going on about the bootstrap theory, then instead of actually creating and looking at every part of the system and creating something new that allows people to 
be their maximum potential, then that'll fix America. But if everyone's like, no, you're just being lazy, you stupid fuck, about everything, while the rich people get rich and the poor stay poor, then, you know, you're going to have a revolt eventually. Yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah, that's true. I mean, it's that's the tinder that, that builds the fire, you know, is uh, is des- desperation and, and need, you know. Mm-hmm. Pooled together in uh, a sense of uh, disrespect, maybe, lack of representation. Mm-hmm. Uh, to to call back to the original revolution, uh, <laughs> but yeah, and and ultimately, um, we got to play in the same sandbox, you know. Like to some degree, you know, and we we do our best, you know. We 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 sling mud on the show occasionally, and we talk about Trump in bad ways, and we we have feelings. But uh, ultimately, you know, the world we want to live in is a world where we can be in the same sandbox. You know, we 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 want to share this this playground. You know, yeah. it's like we're not we're not trying to take it over, uh, but it's got to have room for everybody. And you know, that's that's the thing is like it. it we are talk when we're talking about these people, we're talking about people. You know, exactly. Whether whether it's the rich, whether it's the poor, and and ultimately, you know, w- when you look at the whole have have not situation, you know, w- you you can't take more from the have nots. So where are you going to take it? So mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a system where where it just it it has to start to to look more equal, or like you said, there's zero other option ultimately. And, and we're seeing it worldwide. You know, I mean, uh, a month ago, I haven't seen the like kind of update. Uh, you know, Cape town was running out of water mm. as a city, you know, I think we mentioned it on here. Uh, and, uh, you know, and so wars are going to now not only be about ideology, you know, wars are going to start being about sustenance and and we're going to see water wars and we're going to see food wars and things as deforestation as climate con- change as air pollution mm-hmm. pushes people out of places they've been used to being and uh forces them into other areas um you know we're you know a few decades away from continuous crisis mm-hmm. and so ultimately uh we need to stop bickering and start being the problem solvers of the world like we say we are and and start kind of fixing our own problems while we look towards the the bigger picture of the world and their problems and where we can apply technologies mm-hmm. or education or or sanitation or different types of science techniques and things to uh make their countries operate in a way where maybe the desperation doesn't have to get there. Mm-hmm. You know, I think ultimately we're going to have to learn uh, uh, desalinization to some degree. I mean, obviously uh, I guess there's a, a limit at some point to, you know, so, but we do, we have to learn things like that. We have to figure out how to get uh, water and, and, and clean air to, to everywhere the people are in mass. And, uh, and hopefully ideologies can kind of slowly kind of like stem their way down so they're not so at opposition because i mean if we're going to keep having rogue states get as far as nuclear missiles it, it, there's not so many rogue states that get to nuclear missiles where one of them just realizes they have to just launch them mm-hmm. you know i mean i think we're going to be able to control this north korea situation personally mm-hmm. uh i think i think the history shows that they push themselves up to the line and then they back down and then they push themselves and they 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 
ultimately with the right maneuvering we could get a transitional government and have a situation in North Korea relationship wise similar to like Cuba mm-hmm. where we let Cuba be we're not we quote unquote hate Cuba for all this shit and then we also are just kind of like whatever Cuba you're fine like mm-hmm. uh, I, I think we need them humanitarianly to up their game uh, you know they can't have scores and scores of their population thrown into prison camps uh, and things like that and then maybe the government doesn't get toppled by us yeah and- y- you know and and I think ultimately there is a survival of them as a unit because if we go bomb for bomb they lose mm-hmm. they get a few cuts off in the beginning but ultimately they lose and ultimately we lose too because yeah. we'll look like dicks for having to use the bomb again mm-hmm. um but uh but yeah i think but but i'm i'm not as afraid of them as i'm afraid of the next rogue state to get that technology you know i think that's if an isis had nukes how quickly would an isis use nukes Oh, yeah, pretty quickly. But what I want to say is I think that's really a question about how beneficial is sovereignty anymore in our very globalized world? Uh, Because there is, like, a lot of people, and I guess going back to America and its states, like, states believe they have a certain level of sovereignty within this whole union, and then other states have their level of sovereignty, and where they feel like they need to come together, they come together as... um, the UN and such, but there's a lot of things that aren't a part of the UN that are these rogue states that want their level of autonomy. And I'm wondering just how much, like, maybe we can do more for more allegiances if we stop looking at it as, like, 192 different countries across the whole world and, uh, like, trying to find a complex web of synergies that can allow all these nations to come together to help us all beneficially right because it seems like like i get water wars but i feel like water wars are kind of stupid only only because like you're basically fighting over your sovereignty to this resource and you're saying my country needs this resource because we're running out you guys have it so we're going to use our force to take it instead of being like yo we understand you're humans. You need water just like everyone else. How about we, like, you can have some of our water for now, but what we're going to do is we're going to build you, you know, new irrigation systems, be able to, like, you know, use new science technologies that will be able to take, like, you know, air particles or, like, water particles in the air and, you know, condense them together to give you water as well, too, and ways to be less confrontational about it because this is something we know is going to happen, yeah. and we ought to be proactive about it. And a lot of times we aren't very proactive people because, you know, humans are just like that. Well, in the legislation side, like, I don't know if, if Trump feels like, what if he was pro bringing water to Sahara? How how long would the Republicans let him do that? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just saying, like, you know, like, so, so to say, like I'm saying, we could look in the world and decide where the more likely places to have a water war are. Mm-hmm. We can see the need. We can see the patterns. We have really good satellites for that now. Mm-hmm. That um, you know, the the map is sad when you look at the hydrology map as far as freshwater and 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 people living around it. Um, 
But with that, so yeah, what you're right. We could we could be implementing technologies now in those hotspots and ha- help kind of curtail that event, and we won't. Mm-hmm. We're gonna wait for them to hit. I mean, that's literal. What's gonna happen? Oh I mean, yeah, of course. Um, we we protect ours, and we don't really pay attention to the rest. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and I don't know. I I I really wish we would change that. Yeah, I mean, I get why we have it though. Yeah, I I mean, I know, I know it helps, and I know ultimately, you can't help everybody. We don't have the resources, so you kind of have to like pick your numbers. But what I'm saying is, the rest of the world is going to catch up to the idea that that you know, and we were talking about this last time that um, mm-hmm. America's not all we're cut up to be. You know, no, not at all. We don't, we don't facilitate the dream the way we say we could. There are many people that fall through the cracks, and we allow it, and and it's devastating. And as countries gain power and influence in the world, and technology is equalized, so our like education epicenter that's basically kept us at bay as far as number one for the longest time mm-hmm. is really our technology and our education, and they're both kind of hand in hand. Um, if they catch up equally on all those fronts, they'll just cut us out. <laughs> and yeah, you, if, you know, if you look at the legislation, because we've been doing uh, like Bill Watch when we did the one about the immigrants and stuff. The one like so a lot of our like our economy is propped up on a lot of startups, especially tech startups. But those tech startups need people from India and China to come over who go to our schools and then go and work in our workforce. And if you're basically telling these companies that they can't afford junior programmers anymore, well, what they're going to do to get around that is they're going to send them back over to where they're from. And then you're going to do a satellite office and then have them, like, you know, Skype in and email in and... Yeah, but and, keep their talent. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But that money that they used to spend in America won't be here anymore. And if you look at any sort of businesses, you first look at the primary business, like the person who makes cars, for example, and then they give money to like parts makers and, you know, dealerships and everything like that. And then from there, there's the secondary market. And then that's, you know, people drawing covers, covers for their steering wheels, uh, mechanics and and things like that. And then there's like tertiary stuff there too, like drive throughs and, um, or, you know, there's anything where like you would have to be in a car to use. Right. And if you take like, you know, a person that would be that person and do all those things away from the economy because you made legislation that says, no, you have to pay more money to these people for the same job, then ultimately all these other businesses are going to lose out on money. That means people are going to lose their jobs, meaning there's going to be less money in the economy and it's just going to be cylindrical. And that's when the fucking crash will happen. Yeah, because sorry, your education system isn't working for homegrown Americans to be good when it comes to like computer science and technology. And you think you're helping, but you're not with that. And you'll see it. You won't see it right away. But like if they pass it this year, they might see it in 2020. But but if they don't see it in 2020, they'll definitely see it in like 2022. And people will be like, what the fuck happened? Why don't I have a job anymore? Because this person isn't buying this thing from Amazon, so you don't drive the Amazon truck from here to here to get it from here to here. When you drive the truck, you didn't go to this rest stop that employs that person because you need to get your, you know, your soda, your chips, your, 
your ham sandwich or whatever, and then they can't send their kid to college, so then they're going to do some bullshit job. Like, it, it is everyone uh, is going to be a little vulgar, but the economy is one big circle jerk, and not enough people are getting fucked, okay? Jesus. <laughs> Or or we just we need to diversify this economy and, and keep the keep the people here that are uh, talented no matter where they came from. So. Exactly. Uh, all right. Well, man, uh, no fun uh, topics today. Uh, just continuation on uh, Super Bowl week. So uh, I guess this podcast is going Philly, uh, just due to our uh, uh, you know. Technically, our, our co- mean, co-host is from I mean, Philly. If, if y'all want to go for Brady, I don't see. TV 12 trademark, mm-hmm. number seven. Well, I, I don't I don't hate Brady, all right? I mean, all right. It, it, it's easy to hate Brady. All right, so uh, this uh, podcast is apathetic about the, part <laughs> the Super Bowl. <laughs> that has been much. your fun topic of the week. <laughs> uh Moreover, uh, get a hold of us at hylbox at gmail.com. It is our email box where you can send us uh, a- letters and email. Uh, right now, it just gets my updates of my Netflix. But uh, what about you, Chaz, Baz? Uh, yeah, you can catch me at uh, CRSII um, on Twitter. I would also tell y'all, if you haven't listened to it yet, I saw a live taping of Love It or Leave It recently here in uh, seattle and i was at the late show and the late show is the episode that they uploaded on uh january 27th and it has you know a few local folks that talk about kind of the social injustices that are going on they go into uh like how we maybe shouldn't be like oh my god look at george bush he's kind of cool now no no he fuck shit up right i remember a mini callback i was like Oh, yeah, George Bush. Oh, look, he's fainting. Nah, see, that's what I get for being 14 around that time or like 15, 16. I didn't know shit. So, so yeah, we got to remember that. But Yeah, yeah, they were all bad. And uh, and Trump's the worst. Uh, I'm also available at C-Town Mayor on the Twitter. That's S-E-A-T-O-W-N-M-A-Y-O-R because I'm going to help your municipality by the sea. Woo-hoo! A.K.A. by the coast, A.K.A. by the ocean. Uh, And uh, as always, thanks for listening. Uh, Episode 48 in the books. Uh, Chaz, as always, it has been super real. Of course. Good to see you. Stay fly. Uh, I mean, how, how could I not with so much cool stuff going on so we're going to uh go ahead and play our outro uh take care and we'll see you all next week uh here's a little live migos for you we out peace